chapter number 7. Mark chapter 7. We'll be looking this morning at verses 31 to 37. I always appreciate it when our deacons come up and they share about ways that we can serve Jesus together. Last week when we spent time talking about the spiritual gifts that God has given to all of us as followers of Jesus, um, again, He expects us to take what we have and to be able to use Him, use them for His glory and for the good, for the common good of those that are around us. So when you hear these announcements, um, don't merely just back off and say, okay, I'll just, I'll just ride this out until we get to the, to the Scripture part. No, listen to it. Read over your worship guide. See if there are ways that God would have you to uh, connect and to be able to help us advance the kingdom here in, uh, in Centennial, in Colorado, and to the ends of the earth. So would you stand as we honor His Word together? Mark. Chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. And this is the word of the Lord. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. Even He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith to him, in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. So that's a, that's a song that I have sung since I was a little child. And for some of you, that's a song that you have sung, sung since you were a little child. And it's funny, the, the connections here, because when Fanny Crosby wrote that, she was connecting to Mark chapter 7. All the way my Savior leads me. And if you know anything about Fanny Crosby, she, was, she didn't come to Christ until she was in her um, early 40s. And she wrote six, 7,000 hymns. Um, but when she was six months old, because of uh, a doctor's misdiagnosis and a misapplication of how to fix her eyes, at six months they put hot poultices on her eyes, and that's why she was, she was blind. And, um, but for, for God to use her. In, in such a way, it's a reminder for us that when, fa- when someone who is blind or someone who is dealing with other things like this, but their, their grounding is in Christ, that they can say that he, doeth, he, do, he does all things well. He doeth all things well. It's a beautiful line in this particular, this particular hymn. This, this passage is a picture of the great things that Jesus has done and is going to do in each of us. We've got to be careful as we read this to not think that the goal of Jesus was just to make us feel better. 
because um, we, we would love it if we didn't have to go to the doctor. We would love it, as I said earlier, when uh, you know that check engine light comes on after you turn 50. We would love it if that didn't happen and we were able to just ha- have nothing going on, don't need to go to the doctor, don't need to take any kind of medicine, don't need to experience any kind of grief when death comes along or suffering comes along. It would be lovely if, if things like that um, that didn't have to happen anymore. And so we sometimes read this passage and we read it as a 21st century Westerner by saying, oh, see, look at what Jesus can, can, he can do it. Well, why doesn't he do it? And then we get mad if he doesn't do it like this. And I think we've got to make sure that we're seeing the point of what Jesus is up to. Jesus is trying to show us that as a Messiah, that he is introducing what is going to ultimately happen to us when his kingdom fully and completely comes as we read the end of Revelation. And, but he's working now. And one day when we get to heaven, all of these things that we're going to be dealing with and we have been dealing with now are just going to be a blip on the radar. It's just going to be a little blip in in the rearview mirror, if that. Because I believe when we get to heaven that the glory of Jesus is going to be such that we're not going to remember a lot of the stuff that that we've gone through now. It's going to be a, a joyous thing. So I say that to you, just as an aside, I say that to those of you who are Christians who are dealing with things right now, dealing through suffering, dealing with grief, dealing with physical issues and all that, hang on. The best is yet to come. It's coming, I promise you. But when we look at this passage, you know, Jesus is spending a lot of time, much to the angst of the Pharisees and the Sadducees who believed that everything that God was going to do was going to do with this little group of people that were here in Israel. And yet Jesus now is spending a lot of time, a lot of time wandering around Gentile area. We, we remember it with the, the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. She was a woman. She had had five husbands, and, and the one that she was with was not her husband. She had all of this stuff going against her, and yet Jesus comes up to her and gives her hope. She's not, she was no longer going to be identified by her, her race, or she was going to be identified by her gender, or she was no longer going to be identified by her past. She was going to be identified by Jesus and what he has accomplished for her. And when we see that, there's a, there's a joy that's there. So it talks about here how he's walking around in Tyre and, and Sidon, which again is outside of the people of Israel, to the Sea of Galilee, to the region of the Decapolis, the ten cities that covered a great deal of territory. In fact, one of you asked last week um, that somebody asked the question, how many miles did Jesus walk, right? Well, we know in, well, we do know of this. We don't know everywhere that Jesus went. And of John tells us that, you know, Jesus did a lot of things that were never recorded. If it was recorded, there wouldn't be enough libraries to be able to hold all the books of everything that Jesus ever did. So what we do see, though, is that when, when Jesus is walking around Tyre and Sidon and, and he's around the Decapolis and all, that's about 120 miles. I mean, there's a lot of us that have a hard time walking 120 feet. And, and here Jesus is walking 120 miles. Well, why did he do that? That was his assignment. Jesus was always on the move. He still is. And he may be on the move with you right now where he's brought you here and he's moving and working in you to bring you to where you need to be through what he's done. And almost in spite of what you've done, but what, by what he's done, he's bringing you here, but he was, he was always on the move. And when we look at this passage here about this deaf and mute man who had the speech impediment, couldn't hear, and all of a sudden he's healed, We have to recognize and see ourselves in this story. We are all that man. We are all that deaf man. We are all that one where our tongue needs to be loosed. But as we look at this, let's just just be reminded of where we are. When I was um, 
growing up and I would, take, I would be taking um, swimming lessons. I didn't do very well. Water and me just do not get along. When I, when I go to the beach, I'm like, I like to look at the water and I'm like, that's water. Yes. When we go to a swimming, the swimming pool, I'm like, yes, that is swimming. I, I, I can see it's a swimming pool. I smell the chlorine, so many good things. And I don't, I don't get in the, the water too often for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that I remembered was, is that every time I would go swimming, I'd always get water in my ears and, and I, and I'd get out and I, the, the, a uh, lady was trying to tell me something that was a swim teacher, and I couldn't hear anything. It sounded like the Charlie Brown, you know, the teacher, wah, 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 wah. It sounded like her. I just dated myself. I get it. I couldn't hear what was going on. Everything just sounded mumbly, and I'd get in the car, and Mom would be telling me some good things, and I couldn't hear her. And she had some remedies to help me to be able to have that water uh, get out of there. And all of a sudden, all those good things that Mom was telling me about what I needed to do, I was able to hear you see, before we come to Christ, we don't have those ears to hear. That's why Jesus all the time is saying, please, you know, have, have these ears to hear. In, in, the, in the, seven, the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, what is he saying? He said, let, let those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And I just wonder how many of you, you're here, and you're not getting a lot out of reading your Bible, or you're not getting much out of prayer, you're not getting much out of what your Sunday school teachers are teaching, or you're not getting much out of the preaching and such, I, I, it could be a deficiency on our part. Sure, I get it. We can all learn to be better at everything that we do. But could it be, if you're not getting anything ever out of the Bible, if you're not getting anything ever out of anybody that's preaching, if you have to ask yourselves, has God given me ears to hear? Am I a Christian where the Spirit is there renewing my heart and mind to be able to get something out of what God is saying in his word? So let, we look here, and it says in verse 32, it says, They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Some of you right now, you may be going through a Bible reading program, a plan called the McShane Bible reading plan, and if that's the case, you're in Job. And if you're in Job, and we talked about Job a couple of weeks ago, about how he was a man of integrity, and at the end of Job chapter 2, it says that his friends gathered around him, and he was going through all of these things, physically, emotionally, spiritually, he's going through all these things, and for seven days, what did his friends do? Didn't say anything. Was just with him. And then they started. And boy, did they start. They were not friends. They thought they had the mind of God, and they were trying to diagnose what was going on with Job. And sometimes, you know, we, we don't need friends like that necessarily. Sometimes we may, but, but I think there are just times when we just may need to just sit and be able to listen to what's going on as they try to figure out and try to figure out what is going on. So as Jesus is on the move, he comes across this man. He was deaf, had a speech impediment. So he, the, this man had friends who brought him to Jesus. You see that? They brought him. Don't just scoot over the friends and get right to the issue. They brought him. But they didn't just bring him. What does it say at the end? What else did they do with this friend? Look at the text and help me out here. What is it saying here? They, they brought him and then they what? They begged him. You see it? It's right there. Now, I, I want you to look at it so you're not just taking my word for it. I'm going to try and do well by you by preaching the word rightly, but I want you to see it. They brought him to Jesus, and they begged him to do something. Boy, don't you wish you had friends like that? 
Don't you wish you had friends that will come along and they will bring you to Jesus and they will beg Jesus? That's called intercession. That's, our, that's, our, that's the biblical word for it. It's good for us to know those technical terms. Intercession interceding, bringing us, because when Christ died upon the cross, he opened heaven for us. And when he opened heaven for us, we could go to him and we're like, well, I like that. But he also is saying, bring others with you. Tell them about me. Pray for them. Now you say, well, I don't have any friends like that. Well, one, I would say that's a shame. Two, are you that friend to somebody else? We, we, we so much think about how, how things affect us. Are you that friend for somebody else? Are you begging someone? Are you begging Jesus to help your wife or your husband or your, or your kids that, that they would know the faith? Your friends, your, your, your coworkers, your, your neighbors, are we doing that? I can tell you that I have been very deficient in that. Because sometimes I get so busy, I told you this before, thinking about the ministry of the church that sometimes I forget about Jesus in doing that. And I've got, and and thank the Lord by his spirit, he knocks me back into play. But that's what he does for us, is that sometimes uh, somebody may come across your mind. There there was just a, a little anecdote about someone who was talking about they were really struggling with something. But, and there was a friend across the way, however, however far away it was, and ran across their mind, and they just called him up. And the reason that there was a delay in calling him up is because the, the friend was going through a death and didn't know what to do, and, you know, it didn't, and, and the other person was having a hard time knowing what to say, so they didn't call. Because they felt like they had to be like Job's friends. I've got to have an answer. And if I can have an answer, then I'll call you. But the guy was just so thankful that you just called and listened to them you see but see these are these are what friends do they they recognize that something is going on but they also pray and they were begging jesus to be able to come along and to be able to help them what a compassionate savior we have when you look at all of mark and all the things that jesus did with the lepers, they were outcasts. The demoniacs, they were, out, they were out of, outside the camp. Um, the, the Syrophoenician woman, they were outside of the land. When Jairus' daughter, she was dead. You can't be more outside of the land than that. Dead, outside of the land of the living. And here Jesus is coming along every step of the way and ministering. The ones he had a hard time ministering to were the ones that were resistant and reluctant to let God, because they had already got, had God figured out. We have to make sure that we are hearing what God is saying and how he is moving. The, the, one of the interesting pieces about this is that when it talks about the speech impediment that this man had, there's, this is only, there's only two times that this word is actually used in the entire Bible. And it really gives us a little bit of insight as to what Jesus is doing here. And it's more than just this guy can't hear, he can't talk, now he can hear, now he can talk, praise God, which is enough. But there's more that's going on here. If you go to Isaiah uh, chapter 34, chapters 34 and 35 show both sides of our Lord's justice and holiness and love. Because God is a God of justice. When When we sin, he convicts us. And then we repent. And then we by his strength, hopefully don't do that anymore. 
but he he's helps us all along the way. Israel had not been faithful, and God had given them plenty of opportunity. He sent prophets. He sent judges. He sent kings. He sent preachers. He sent everybody to remind them of the goodness and faithfulness of God, even in the midst of their unfaithfulness. And if you look at Isaiah 34, let's just go in verse 8. You can go at any point in that chapter. It'll go here, but it'll go to that point. But if you look at verse 8, it says, For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. And the streams of Edom shall be turned into pitch, and her soil into sulfur. Her land shall become burning pitch. Night and day it shall not be quenched. Its smoke shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie in waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. But the hawk and the porcupine shall possess it. The owl and the raven shall dwell in it. He shall stretch the line of confusion over it, the plumb line of emptiness. Its nobles, there is there is no one to call it a kingdom, and all of its princes shall be nothing. What's happening there? Israel, desolate. Sounds bad. God, why would you do that to your people? He, he warned them. It wasn't like they didn't have enough information. He warned them that this is what was going on. Now, jump down, if you will, to chapter 35, and it says this. It says the wilderness and verse one, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. That's a different, that's a different thing altogether now, isn't it? Hope. There was desolation, now there's hope. And how is it going to manifest itself? Look at verses 3 to 5. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will save you. Look at what verse 5. Some of you are looking at me. Look at the text. See what verse 5 is saying. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Isaiah 35 in verse 5 is the other place where that word that, that is used in Mark about the opening up of the tongue or the, 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 the problem of the tongue, the speech impediment, that's the other place that it's used. So what, what are we saying here? Again, that Jesus is not just simply coming along and saying, well, look at what I can do. I can open up the eyes of the blind, I can loose the tongue, I can unstop the ears, you're going to feel so much better after I come along. There's more to it. Because this was a prophecy that the Jews had been hearing in synagogue for, this was written 700 years before the time of Christ. So over and over and over and over again, they're knowing that when the Messiah comes, he's going to do this. So what's happening now is Jesus is giving everybody a sign, a front row seat that, you know, this Messiah that you've been talking about for all this time, this Messiah that's going to rescue you, not just physically, but spiritually and in every way, I'm that one. Now, he didn't say it, but they knew it. They knew it by, the, look, he says, what has happened? He has done all things well. Verse 37, he makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And you say, well, that is really great, Pastor Matt, for those fellows in the Old Testament and for those fellows here. What, what does that have to do with me? I'll tell you what it has to do with you. I, I'm so glad you asked that question 
that is a great question to ask because I knew some of you were thinking about this and you're like, well, thanks for the history lesson. When, when, when you go back to verse 34 and it says, and looking up to heaven, well, let's go back to verse 33, excuse me, uh, where it talks about that he took him aside from the crowd privately. He, he deals with us one-on-one. You know, sometimes we like to go, maybe like to go to church and kind of hide. I want to get, I want to get some intake and then I'm going to sneak out the door. God is not calling us to, for simple intake. He's wanting and working to work not just in us, but he's wanting to work through us. And as he's working through us, this is what's happening. So he takes, he took him aside. Now again, there's some times when he would do these, he would do these miracles and they'd be in front of a lot of people. This man he took by, by himself, fingers into his ears, and after spitting, sorry, I know lunch is coming, but I'm just reading the text, just delivering the mail. It talks about after spitting, he touched his tongue. Now there was a tradition back then that for someone who had these healing powers, that that would be, that emission would have healing understanding. And so there is a thought that Jesus did this to put this man's mind at ease because that was the understanding of the time. Now for us, we don't rely on the, 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 the spit of the Lord. We rely on something else that he has done to heal us, and that's his blood. And we praise God that he is moving and working in that way in us. And, and he says, you know, and he looked up to heaven, and he sighed. What's the point of the sigh? So whenever you start to do something, and you're wanting God to really move in an area, isn't there something just inside you? It's like, oh, Lord, please do something here. He is... This is not simply just a tactical thing that Jesus is doing. He cares for the people that he encounters. He cares for you. He cares for me. He cares for all of the people that he comes across and encounters. And if we are the body of Christ, we need to be exemplifying the same thing. Do we care about the people that come across us? Well, if they behave themselves and they act right and they're a Republican and they're a Democrat and they, and they do this, and, they, uh, and, and we, we, we add all these caveats. Well, and I do the same thing. I, I do the exact same thing. And I, and I catch myself and I'm like, Lord, when am I ever going to get past this? Thank you for, I mean, I, it might as well just put on my, on my movie screen of a forehead, work in progress. Might as well just do that. Because that's what it is. And that's what we all are. We're all works in progress. It's the thing is we can't just ignore those things that God brings to our mind. We have to lean in because we want him to work in us. Ephatha, that's Aramaic because he's writing to a Gentile audience, likely in Rome. Be opened. And what happened? This man, his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. What does that have to do with me? Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you know where that is, if not, um, share with someone that's beside you so that you can see what's going on here because this is exactly, this is not just a one-off thing that Jesus does for this man that was in the Decapolis. We have to realize that this is what Jesus does for all of us. He opens up our ears to be able to hear what he is saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Let's start in verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, who is from God, that we might understand things freely given by God. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming? Is the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming so he can give you gifts that you can show off to everybody? Look at this gift I've got. Look at this gift I've got. Wow. Admire me. Praise me. Lift me up. No. The purpose of the Holy Spirit coming is so that you can understand on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis of what God is trying and working in you. You can understand his word. 20 years ago when I was a youth pastor, there was this kid that came to Christ. And before, he couldn't understand any of the Bible. And he said, after I came to Christ, he's like, now it's like a whole encyclopedia of, 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 of it has been opened up to me. I, I understand it. Now, did he, did he go and get a seminary degree in, in those 30 minutes? No. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in, renewed his mind, renewed his heart, and now he was able to completely and fully understand. When you come into this place, do you pray, please, Lord, give me your spirit so I can understand what you're trying to say. Not understand what Pastor Matt's trying to say. That can be a challenge. I get that. But what are you trying to say? And Lord, if you're saying something, then please help my heart to receive what you're having to say because now my ears are opened. Not just your physical ears because some of you are like, I'm still struggling with my hearing. I still have hearing aids and such. And you likely will until glory unless God does something amazing in that way. But if he doesn't, your ears have still been opened to be able to hear his word spiritually. Your heart has been changed and renewed to be able to get that. But look at verse 14. I can't forget, I don't want to hurt verse 13's feelings, so I want to go back to that. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, meaning those who have the Spirit, those who are Christians. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So if the, if the Spirit is moving in you to come to Christ, Spirit is moving you to repent from this, and you're like, No. That's an indicator, everybody. That is an indicator of the condition of your heart. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God's leading me to do. I don't want to do that. That's an indicator that you need him. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, a discernment here, but is himself judged by no one. But who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Christians have the mind of Christ. You mean me? Yes. You sure about that? Yes. We have the mind of Christ to understand what his word is saying to us. Do we have, uh, are, are we now willing to say, Lord, whatever you're saying, whatever you're telling me to do, I'm in. I am all in. Well, what, what about our mouths? Well, James 3 talks about how the tongue, he warns Christians 
that out of one, that, that sometimes your tongues curse. Talk down to, about people. Talk down to people. Build yourself up. Talk down to, and on the other hand, you're blessing God. And what he's saying is, just like salt and fresh water don't mix, neither does blessing and cursing mix. We have to make sure that the poison of asps that's talked about in the Old Testament in Romans 3 that used to mark our tongues, now all of a sudden when we are saved, I couldn't get over my, my father. My father did not cuss a lot. He didn't. Every, it was just every so often, bang a thumb, boom, when he's on a hammer. But I, what I noticed about him was is that when he came to Christ, all that was gone. All of that, all of that was gone. I'm like, what in the world? And that had an effect on me. Six months later, I came to Christ. I saw how God could change a man. I was surrounded by women that knew Christ. I, didn't, I wasn't surrounded by a lot of men, but here's my father. We have to realize that God opens up our ears to, to, to hear his word and that God loosens our tongue to speak his word, to have that gospel conversation, to treat people with kindness and to, and to treat people with gentleness, with our words, with our thoughts, with our actions. He changes us. Now I'll say to you that he doesn't change everything immediately. Some things are over time. But uh, the, the fact is, is that we have to see that we are this man that is sitting here by the road whose friends were brought, who couldn't talk, who couldn't hear. And when Jesus did that to him, we have to realize that Jesus will do that for us. Wouldn't you love to be able just on a basic, basic understand, to, to hear his word and, and to have your heart just thank you, God. Thank you for your word. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to open up my heart and, and to open up my ears to be able to hear. Where before you were talking about whatever you wanted to talk about and talking about whoever you wanted to talk about. Now, thank you, Lord, for loosening my tongue to be able not, not just to share my testimony of how you've worked in me, that's important, but to share the testimony of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross for you. He does that. Well, he hasn't done that for me. Well, you know what else may be going on there? Is that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. You may know he's done that, and, you, and, and he may be working in you to do that, but you're too afraid to take that step. I will tell you this, and I, I said this to everybody that went on a missions trip. Whenever we'd get together and go on a missions trip, there would be um, some that would just be ready, let's go, yeah. And then there would be others like, I know God wants me to do this, but I'm just really terrified. And it's a great picture of, of, our, of our Christian walk because what we have to remember is is that he's told us to take the step. He hasn't told us what's going to happen on the mission field, just like he hasn't told us what, everything that's going to happen in our lives. So when we go on a mission field, we don't know what's going on, but he's called us to take that step. And what's interesting is when they get on the plane and they step off the plane onto the place that they're ministering, they trusted God, they took the step, and God was there when they, they planted their foot. Well, that's a missions trip. That could be serving on a team. That could be serving in a ministry. God has opened up your ears to hear his word. Yes, he's loosed your tongue to be able to speak his word and to be, be as Christ to other people. Yes, trust him with all the other parts of your body too. He can do it. He will meet you. 
And if he can meet you at the cross and at the empty tomb, he will meet you anywhere and provide you everything you need to move forward in kingdom work. He's promised that. So here's my question to you. Are you ready for whatever God has in store for you? Are you ready for whatever God has in store for this church? Are you ready to engage his word for him to to lead you wherever you need to be? You may not know what's happening. Some of you got some things coming up that you're not sure what the future holds. But I'm I'm just going to quote what Billy Graham said lots and lots of times. I don't know what the future holds. And some of you can probably finish this one out for me. But I know who holds the future. When our ears have been opened to his word, we know the future. When our tongues have been opened, we can encourage and speak that, that, that life and that glory. Not that we give life, but we speak about the life of Christ who gives us life so that we can have, hopefully others will hear the word and respond and have life in Christ as well. Let's repent of our sin. Let's repent of our fear. Let's repent of all that is keeping us from him. And let's come to Christ now. Whether you want to come up here and pray and use these steps, whether you want to just grab somebody beside you, I need you to pray with me. Well, what are they going to think of me? I guarantee you they're not going to think what you think they may be thinking. Let's help each other along as we bring each other, as friends bring each other to the foot of the cross. Heavenly Father, guide us in all that we do and say, use us for your glory. Use us for your glory. Use us for your glory. I thank you, Father, that you don't give up on us, that you don't pass us by when there's a need that we have. But your Son, by the Spirit, shows us that he will meet us right where we are. Father, we don't have the capability to move one inch closer to you But thank you, Lord, that you rent the heavens and came down. And I pray, Father, for anyone that is here that is struggling, that is struggling with their thoughts, their words, their actions. I just thank you, Lord, that you have touched us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And you have cared for us enough to meet us where we are and to take us to where we need to be. Your son has called all of us to repent and to believe the gospel. Thank you that we can repent as we confess and repent that you give us the faith we need to move forward with what you've called us to do. Thank you for the bloody cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you, Father, that whenever anything may come our way, we know that Jesus does all things well. So may we repent, may we come, may we come before you and say, Lord, open up my ears. Lord, loose my tongue. Lord, clear my thoughts of anything but what is of you. Take my feet where they need to go. Bend my knee so that I may pray before you. Open up my hand to receive what you have for me. And pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. It's a great song that we're getting ready to sing. It is a a hymn of encouragement.
a song of encouragement, where he leads me, I will follow. I hope that that's not something that you're going to sing just because it's, it's the words and this is what you're supposed to do. Let's drill down. May this be something that is a conviction of yours. Where he leads me, I will follow. Let's stand together and sing and commit our lives to Christ even now.